Having the right TMS is vital in supporting freight broker growth. Partner with Thai Software to optimize your processes and compete with confidence. Get into the automation, data insights, and cash flow optimization game. Request a demo at thaisoftware.com. Welcome back to another edition of Check Call. Today we're covering all things warehousing. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today we are joined by Steve Denton, CEO of where to go Welcome to the show, Steve. It's exciting to be here, Mary. Thanks for the time. And I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, that we get a chance to talk today. Excited for our conversation. I am pretty excited about this. Um, I Before we get too far into it, though, let's get some background on you and kind of why you started at Seat Where to Go. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm old, so that's a, sh- that's a long story. So let's try to make it short, right? Um, I actually didn't start Where to Go, though. Where to Go is an incubation idea that came out of an incubation lab at UPS. And uh, fascinating story how 200 ideas came in. It was one of two that got funded and one that got to go forward. And then UPS made the decision in 2017 to set it up as its own entity, as a tech company, to go fast, take in outside money. And um, prior, you know, myself, I, 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 like my, here's my short story. Five years at Pepsi, nine years at FedEx, 18 years starting and selling digital companies. So I was in the digital media space, sold a company to Rakuten, sold a company to eBay. And when this opportunity uh, came around, I thought it was really special. And for me, it was like a full cycle career moment, which was I spent 18 years building technology companies to help marketers sell online and felt like we kind of leveled that playing field a little bit, little bit. And then now just to close the loop on the supply chain side to complete that commerce loop. So, and level the playing field there. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I've been here working on my fourth year now as a CEO and um, excited about the work we do and excited about the growth of the company and, and how we're disrupting the space. I think this is actually probably one of like the true first success stories I've heard come from like any kind of incubation program. Cause I know that a lot of other logistics companies and a lot of other technology companies do it. Uh, but I think this is probably one of the first like success stories of where it actually got to be st- set up on its own and, you know, made it out of that incubation phase, which is pretty exciting, to be honest. I think so. And I think, look, UPS made a really good, smart decision when they said, we want to do it, but let's set it up as its own company and let's let's have people that live, breathe, drink every day thinking about how to make this. Because I think when you're in a big company, seeds like this become someone's hobby who is probably responsible for five to $10 billion of quota or revenue. Um, and um, it's hard to focus on the thing that's going to lose money and you celebrate that first $10 million, like you just conquered the world because you did. Um, and, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it was really smart uh, to set it up that way and it allowed us to go fast and thrive. And, and, um, and here we are. It kind of gives that idea that credit that you need, because like you said, you don't want it to be someone's pastime where it just is deterring away from it and then it doesn't get the fair shot that it needs. Um, but if you don't mind, can you kind of provide a quick little overview of kind of how you guys approach on-demand fulfillment and warehousing um, and all that kind of stuff? Sure. So I always start with like, we were a technology company first, right? Like we we are a technology company. And, and if you think about what we've done, like Uber or Airbnb, instead of connecting people with rides, who have who want rides with people who have cars or people who want to rent out their their houses with people who want to rent it. We we've, we've just connected through one platform, 
um, great supply out there and capabilities across the country. Um, and we've connected that through one platform for merchants who want to be able to access that supply, access those capabilities and that footprint on an on-demand basis. So the only way you can do that is through technology because you only want to do one integration, right? So the way we work is, I think about our platform, we, we, connect, we connect to your demand gen vehicles, whether it's the marketplaces where you sell or your commerce cart or your ERP systems. We connect into your inventory and then we connect that into the WMS systems of the of the providers. And then we orchestrate that through an order management system and, and bring that all together on, on one platform so that merchants of all sizes can compete and win in, in this, this complicated world of, of commerce. And, and we help them on the supply chain side. So, you know, we've got a network today of 35 3PL partners that we work with across the country. Um, we also partner with retailers like The Gap and leverage their their supply as well and uh, and make that available to merchants um, on an on-demand basis when when that fits their needs. And it's a really great model in the sense that you think about capital is not cheap right now and, and investing in warehouse space and investing in, in long-term contracts are really challenging. And when you can be in a variable compensation standpoint um, and a variable cost model in, in your supply chain, it it's a winning proposition, right? In in good times, it helps you scale up really quick without the lead times. And in in challenging times, it helps you to either readjust based on where you are or make the pivots that you need to make. So so there's 180 of us where to goers across the country working with great partners and hundreds and hundreds of clients to help fulfill those commerce obligations through the supply chain. I really kind of like that approach because I think I was reading something the other day where like, warehouse new, like new warehouse starts were like the most abysmal rates they've been at in like years it's like since like 2018 or something like it's the lowest amount of new warehouses being built obviously those that are already broke ground will finish eventually um but it's one of those where like you know if you are like if you are a small to medium size shipper and you do you know you are growing you do need that space it's not feasible for you to go try and build a whole warehouse like that's an insane amount of money but if i just need a little extra space here and a little extra space there because also you know through your option i have the ability to kind of almost more or less kind of pick the area that i want it doesn't have to necessarily be wherever i can find space it's just kind of oh this works for me and this is the area i want it to be in absolutely and it shouldn't be like where you think you should have your inventory it's where your sales are, right? Like, um, like the whole thing with the model, like people ask me all the time, like, Steve, why do you have 35 warehouses? And you throw the gap in there, it's 42. Well, it's footprint, but it's also capabilities and capacity. But you want to have your inventory within a two-day ground print, ground footprint of your, your customers, right? Like you want to be able to offer that Amazon Prime-like experience. You want to be able to offer sustainable options, um, that are really important uh, in today's connected consumer. And, you know, a lot of our clients, they grew out of their own warehouse, or maybe they still have their own warehouse and it's in New York or California, and they want to augment it with our network. Um, or maybe they're in a 3PL relationship and they want to augment it with incremental uh, an incremental footprint and maybe like Metro markets or things like that. So that's what I love about our business. It's, uh, it's uh, it allows... It allows us to meet our customers where they want to be met with a flexible network versus forcing them to meet us with our with our with our stack and 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 where we are. Like we have the flexibility to do that. 
I like that, though. Do you guys ever find a time where you have almost kind of run out of capacity, like obviously coming up into peak retail season? Um, it's probably a little more competitive. Those rates are probably not as good as, you know, in January. Um, but I didn't know if you guys ever have to have that conversation. Where you're like, mm, right now, we don't actually have space for you. So the only time that really got flexed was um, during the height of COVID and um and, you know, warehouse vacancy rates were below 3%. I mean, everything was, it was a lot different. So as an on-demand model, I mean, we had to, we had to, to, to do some things on our, because when we started the business in, in 2018, we launched it commercially. There was a lot of available warehouse space out there. And then COVID hit and um, our model got tested and we made a little bit of a tweak there. In key markets, we went out and locked down guaranteed space. So we worked with top providers and key markets and said, look, I, I want 200,000 square feet available all the time. I'll pay you for it, whether I use it or not, to just make sure we had it. And there was, there was about an 18-month period where that was required. Things have leveled out now. I mean, the building of the warehouses have, have finished up and, and there's a lot of capacity out there right now. So, um, But you know, we've never knocked at home for somebody, Mary, but... But we did have to make some pivots at the at the peak of COVID to make sure that we did, um, because everything was coming in the country in spikes, and um, and and so so long answer to a very short question. Yes, uh, we have the capacity, uh, and when it starts getting tight, but that's real, really part of the demand planning, inventory forecasting, and 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 work we do from a technology standpoint to make sure we have it. I think everyone during that phase of COVID was just like. Give us a give us a second. We'll figure it out. We're not saying no, but just give us a minute. Yeah, and a lot of people candidly needed. I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of challenges where people just needed a port in the storm. Like, I just need a place like right now, and um, can you help me out? And 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 we were able to help help folks out with that, and at the same time, really help people grow and expand their business. So. So this platform that you were talking about earlier that you, you know, have everything on, is that the same platform? Does it kind of integrate seamlessly into that warehouse's picking operations where like, you know, they don't have one device for like, for example, if it's the gap, they don't have one device that's the gap and one that's for you guys. It's just all one. They're just going and picking whatever's on the whatever's on the sheet. Yeah. So our platform called it's called Fulfillment View. Um, in fact, all of our products are called View, um, VU. They were available. But um, so like we could buy the URLs. So like network view, inventory view, fulfillment view, commerce view, like all of our products are VU at the end. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, so it's a headless commerce platform. Now, now look, we've got 3PLs that we've integrated with like Stopion and Lojua and folks like that. And, and sometimes when you go into supply, Mary, they've got a homegrown system there and and, and you want something a little more modern or you want something that that meets the needs for kidding and FBA prep and retail compliance. So we do have platforms that we've integrated with and we will put that in there if they don't have the, the sufficient technology. But if it's a facility like the Gap or, or some of these other folks that have sophisticated technology, then we just we connect through APIs and webhooks into into their stack. Um, and that's so I always think about it like a headless commerce platform. Like we'll, we'll connect to the demand where your demand is. We'll, we'll connect to the supply. Like I love a world where we connect into your warehouse. We have you in two of our warehouses in a dropshipper. 
right? And we're connected to your Shopify site and the orders come in, they get orchestrated out and you're doing all that on one platform, um, one view of your inventory. And uh, so, yeah, it's a headless commerce platform. And look, I mean, look, there's a school of thought, Mary, a lot of my competitors have built WMS systems and they, and they want to solve it. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, like everyone's got their approach, but I just, we looked at the world and said, let's meet you on the technology stack where you want to be met. Um, and if you don't have a good technology stack, we've, we've got, we've got one for you, but, um, let's, let's try to meet you where you want to be met. Basically you're single-handedly trying to get warehouses off of dot matrix printers and AS 400. Uh, well, look, those green screens were really, really great. And I, we actually have two of our warehouses that are on green screens right now and their productivity, their productivity is insane. Um, I mean, amazing because they've got that wired for like the last 30 years and, um, but we found a way to connect, but yeah. So it, 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 it's, it's important that you meet them where they need to be met. There's always a way to connect eventually. You just got to dig hard enough. Um, but Hey, you know, if AS 400 don't broke, don't touch it because if you try to fix it unnecessarily, it's, it's going to break. I saw one six months ago. I couldn't believe it. I was in one of our warehouse partners. They had it in a certain area of their warehouse for some specific work. And I was like, is that an AS 400? Like, and the guy was like, yes. I was like, how do you even support that? Like, where's where's the support on that? He goes, it really doesn't break. I'm like, okay. So uh, anyway. So I guess um, when, so one of the challenges, I don't, I guess, I don't know if this is something that you guys handle or if it's more of your warehouse partners, but one of the big things that's happening in warehousing space is labor, that kind of labor demand and making sure staffing requirements are there. Is this kind of something that you guys help with or is it more of just your warehouse partners handle it and, you know, you just facilitate the the technology bridge between the two? Yeah, no, it's 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 the former because the warehouse partners, when we when we certify a warehouse partner, you know, there's SLAs that they have to meet and obligations that they, they have to meet. Um, and that's really hard to do if we don't get demand planning right. And And because it's funny, not funny. If you don't get demand planning right, you're never going to get inventory slotting right. Like, like, like people talk about inventory management. I'm like, you, you need to start with demand planning first, right? Before you even start thinking about inventory. And then you can think about labor. So, you know, so obviously it, it's critical, and especially during peak, um, uh, to be able to like, whether it's uh, coordinating with your carriers for extra trailers, uh, labor, and, um, and, and the other thing is the day of the week is really critical because the shift that happened during COVID that's not going away is Monday. You, you need about three times more people working in a warehouse on Monday than you do on a Thursday. Like we, weekends now are table stakes. It's required. That used to be extra. Monday is the busiest day of the week for you. And, and staffing for that is really hard. So our clients submit forecast to us on a weekly basis or every other week basis, but people really struggle with that. It doesn't matter if you're a, a 20 person company or you're a fortune 50 company, they all struggle with demand planning. So we've invested a ton in you know, various machine learning, AI technologies, and from self-interested, right? To get the labor planning right. So we actually submit to our clients, especially during peak, a forecast and say, hey, does this map up with what you're seeing? Because here's what our technology is showing us. Getting access to their promo calendar is really critical because um, that's going to drive a ton of, of the demand. 
Uh, so access to the promo calendar, our technology, our folks working uh, to create forecasts using our machine learning, really critical. And and that allows us to do that. We don't always get it right, Mary. Um, and, and certainly you never want to put yourself in a situation where you're, you're saying, hey, my forecast is better than yours to one of your clients. Like that's a losing proposition. Um, but we start to guide them and uh, it's really critical. And we share those with our warehouse partners. But we are actively involved in that with our partners. Key things there are email drops, promo calendars, and then any kind of special sales. And as we think about peak this year, we've surveyed the clients and we've done a lot of external surveying. And the, the consensus is more frequent shorter burst sales. You know, so, so not, not these things you see for two weeks or 10 days, but like a whole bunch of short bursts of, of sales and allowing merchants to be able to pivot and, and, and get against that demand. So really critical on our side. Like right now we're filming this. It's Amazon prime day. Like there's, there's a lot going on. And, and the thing is a lot of that peak happened two, three weeks ago with FBA prep. It had to be in the Amazon warehouses three weeks ago. So that peak happened for the FBA stuff about three weeks ago. So almost kind of leading into peak season, you're looking at starting to get some of the FBA prep in now. So then it's just kind of there so it can just go out as quick as possible. Because honestly, in this world, even if I'm not shopping, shopping at Amazon, um, I do want I do want my stuff pretty quickly. I don't enjoy waiting like a week for something to arrive. I typically want it within a day or two. And I know that's a very spoiled way because it hasn't always been that way. Um, but yeah, I just I very much am happy that everyone is getting on that, you know, those more regional distributions hubs and everything like that. Well, if you were buying from merchants in the Where to Go Network, you'd get them all in two days or less. And it would be carbon neutral. Because the one thing about our network, Mary, is like we don't even compromise on this. It's built into the rate card. We absorb it into our cost. Every shipment that we handle through our network outbound, and even and if we control the inbound, we buy the offsetting carbon credits for it. It's built into the rate card. It's part of how we do business, and it's really important to our culture as a company. Also, a lot of our clients who are mid-market clients, it's hard for them to do. And then lastly, consumers. I mean, when I see 68% of the consumers are sharing that, hey, you need a sustainable option to make you more attractive as a merchant for me to buy from, that's important for merchants to be able to offer that up. So, so just another thing that we do to enable that, which is important. That is absolutely huge because there's so many, there's so many people that like myself included, I will, you know, if someone claims to be eco-friendly or have like green practices, I dig in and I'm like, is this actually green? Like, or what are you actually doing? Or is this just you publishing out marketing materials? Because if you're just publishing out marketing materials, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not a big fan. This is greenwashing. This is not right. You need to actually do something about it. But I know that more and more consumers, I want, um, are demanding that they want that visibility into that carbon emissions and into all that stuff, which personally I'm here for, but that's also, I'm pretty partial to living on, on the earth. So. Oh, that reminds me, that's another one of our products, carbon view. What do, do I guess carbon view allows people to track their carbon emissions? Allows our merchants to see what that is. And we create that because we're buying the offsets. So it's really important for them to understand that's what they're benefiting from. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's going to play into, you know, whenever more and more shippers, especially outside of the state of California, are going to have to release those carbon credits or release disclose them. So look at you guys being all the answers for everybody. Not all the answers, just trying to solve some of the more important ones. So yeah, 
So what's the one, do you have like one tip for people that when it comes to that demand planning and that forecasting, what's like your one tip to start with? If someone's like looking to, you know, maybe be better at it or improve on it. What's that one tip? Make sure your marketers and your supply chain folks are connected, right? Like, like, like don't have a warehouse sale and not tell the warehouse. Like I have seen that. Um, so um, I really have seen that. I have seen partners of ours have a, a warehouse sale on their website and I know where their supply chain. And I'm like, you got to tell your warehouse when you're going to have a warehouse sale. Like that's really, really important. But it speaks to how important it is because look, Mary, we're, I, supply chain is not a standalone thing, right? This is a commerce ecosystem, right? It is one commerce because your consumers don't care. Right. They're not differentiating from your email and your return policy. Like that is their experience with you as a brand. And supply chain is part of that commerce experience. So if your marketers and, and your supply chain folks aren't connected, then 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 that's a that's gonna be your first start. And and when I mean connected, like I think like a lot of companies use de- uh, agencies for demand gen. I think your agency should have access to part of your supply chain technology to see where your inventory is, to see what's moving, to see what's not moving, so that they can geofence or maybe do regionally based promotions. Like having access, these two things connected are critical um, because if you get one right, if your commerce, if your demand gen is great and your supply chain falls through the floor, then you're just going to drive a bad experience and your return rate's going to be too high and you're going to get bad reviews. So the one thing, it's so simple, make sure your marketers and your, and your supply chain folks are connected and talking regularly and sharing forecasts regularly. Um, that is step one. I would have to wholeheartedly agree having sat right in between um, sales and marketing and pr- pricing and procurement and everything like that. Um, having sat in between those two, it, the, the screaming matches and shouting matches that would happen, um, is, is excessive. So I think that's probably one of the best things that I've heard. Don't have a warehouse sell and not tell your warehouse, like really bad idea. All right. Well, we are coming, we are running out of time today. So there's a question that everyone comes in the show has to answer. And it might be the hardest question that you're asked all day. Are you ready for it? I am ready. I can't wait. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Is the hot dog like... Are you eating that? Are you on a carb-free diet? So you just got a couple of them on a plate or is it wrapped up in a bun? Because of, cause it, um, cause if it's, it's, go ahead. It's, oh, I was going to say, I would think like a traditional, you go to the baseball game and get a hot dog, but I'm open to any interpretation. So look, I think about it like this. If it's on bread, it's a sandwich, right? Um, if you chopped up a hot dog and put it in a tortilla shell, that's called a taco. Um, um, if you put it in a burrito wrap, it's a burrito. So I think the container dictates that that's a sandwich, like a breakfast sandwich. Um, so I would say a hot dog with bread is a sandwich. If you're if you're keto friendly and carb free, and you're just eating hot dogs on a plate, um, then not a sandwich, just a piece of uh, meat on a plate. But that's that's my thing. That's my thinking. If it's on bread, it's a sandwich. That's fair. I like it. I've also uh, been known to eat a hot dog uh, just on a plate with a fork after you dip it in some mustard. Not a, not a sandwich. Not a sandwich. All right. So if anyone wants to 
that wants to discuss your hot dog as sandwiches or demand planning or how to have a conversation with their marketing team about when to have warehouses sales, where can they find you outside the show? I'll be in Santa Barbara tomorrow. So look for me on State Street. Um, but um, but for those of you who are not going to be there, uh, I would say uh, three places. One, um, I think the where to go, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. Our Instagram, I think, is pretty good. Um, but I'm biased, right? But certainly there. But me personally, reach out on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm Steve Denton, Stephen Denton with a PH, where to go. I look like this. I don't have a picture from like 25 years ago. And you're like, versus real life. It's pretty recent. And uh, or steve.denton at where to go.com. Um, and I uh, would love to hear from you. And uh, always looking to talk to folks who need help or want to share some great ideas on what's going on in the space. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was, it was, it was a fun conversation and, and appreciate the time. Thank you. Find Check Call the Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts such as Loaded and Rolling and Great Quarter Gals. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Check Call. See you on the internet. Bye.